Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today is July 8th, Wednesday, July 8th, and today we are reading in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 96 on that second paragraph that starts, suppose you are now making your second visit. Today's readers are, and thank you very much for your service, Ellen B., Diane G., Hoodie R., Judy F., Chelsea H. The reference number for yesterday, July 7th, Tuesday, July 7th, is 7805. That's 7805. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that the people who suffer is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Ellen B. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Ellen. Uh, This is uh, Ellen B., compulsive overeater in Maryland. The uh, 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Ellen B. I will now ask for Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Diane. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. Um, from New Hampshire, recovered, not cured, compulsive overeater. 
the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions of recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share approximately to three minutes. If you go too far over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Working with Others on page 96 in that second paragraph. And we are going, I'm going to ask Hoodie R to take it over. Go ahead, Hoodie. Good morning to you, Amy. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Hoodie R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater here in Israel. Suppose now you are making your second visit to a man. He has read this volume and says he is prepared to go through with the 12 steps of the program of recovery. Having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. Let him know you are available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story. But do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. 
And um, suppose, so you're making a second visit. This is the second visit. Um, you know, the first time we discussed, um, you know, we just did the identification, um, and I got to know, and I got to know work with someone just to get the physical, um, to to see if we really are, if one is really a compulsive overeater, um, or and um, like I just um, wanted to read first from page sixty and how it works. You know, um, our description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives, that probably no human power could relieve our alcoholism, and that God could and would if he were sought. And um, so he says that he is prepared. That means that, you know, he identified in. He did a, you know, he um, he followed, let's say, my um, assignment with um, um Going, writing a whole food history and seeing how the food has really, um, you know, really um, ha- um, what, what the food did to his life, and um, and he is powerless. He is powerless. That he is one hundred percent powerlessness. He is ready and willing to continue this process. And as a recovered compulsive overeater, having this experience, you know, what better person could help someone else? If not for me, who has been through, been through the quicksand, has has been transformed through this process, and is now willing can, could relate to this newcomer. So let him know he is. A, um, so let him know that I'm available. I could say, okay, I'll call you up. You could give me a call. Um, I'd love to share with you more and more. And. Um, and willing to um, make that decision. Do they know that they're powerless? You know, willingness, as we hear, willingness is a one-person job. It's not a sponsor. It's not a sponsor cannot give me two things. He can't give me um, willingness, and he can't make a uh, uh, power greater than himself. And so, it's not about my ego. My ego is not involved, and maybe someone else is better for them. But today, I, I am recovering, and um, you know. I might not be good, right for everyone, and um, and I have to work on that hum- humbling myself to say that you know, you know, God, um, if they if they want me, they'll ask me um, to continue this process, and um, if not, someone else might be able to do the job. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Hoodie. I'd like to invite people who would like to share on what was read on this paragraph, please. Rachel W. Nessa. Rachel Larry. W. Nessa. I heard Larry. Charles H. Who is that? Charles H. Oh, Charles. Charles, okay. So I have Rachel, Nessa, Larry, Charles. Anybody else? All right, we'll go with that. Melissa Rachel. C. Okay, Melissa C. Got in right there under the wire. Okay, here we go. Rachel W. Nessa O. I think Larry K. Charles H. Melissa C. Rachel, go ahead, please. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. Um, this is Rachel W. Calling from New York. Thank you for your service, Amy. Um, what's jumping out at me here is that he's read the entire vol. You know, he's read the volume, and he says he's prepared. That is such a huge statement. You know, the word prepared. 
you know, I'm prepared to go through this. Really, you're prepared. You know, you're prepared to ad- admit that the delusion is over. You're prepared to do a complete and total overhaul on any concept you've ha- you, you have with God or with program. You know, um, you're prepared to dig deep, you know, and to get into all these dark corners of the past. And you're prepared to ultimately carry this message. It's, it's, it's such a huge word <laughs> to say that you're prepared for this. And, and for me, I know that... Um, you know, being in the program, as so many people have shared lately, um, most of the people that I come across are, are retreads, you know, the people that have been in the program before. And, um, and especially, you know, at that, at that juncture, you know, it's so important. And I know this from my, from my own experience and this for myself, that, um, you know, what's required is that, is that total overhaul of thinking of, 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 uh, that, you know, and in a way, I'm almost more comfortable when someone comes and says that they're struggling with their higher power or they're struggling with their connection and they get that the fact is that picking up the food you know, and, and getting into the addiction is is as a, a result of a, a disconnect. You know, with, with that. You know, so I'm almost more comfortable if they if they're a little they have trepidation. You know, and and they don't think that they're so prepared. You know, but um, but but on the other hand, this does speak to the fact that all we need to be is willing. You know, to say that you know on whatever level, you know, whatever you know my understanding is at this moment, whatever I can see, you know, and having read the stories, he's probably really identifying in with other people's experiences. So for me to say, you know what, I don't know what this is all about. I'm completely, I'm a fresh canvas, you know, I'm completely ready for an entirely new experience that will launch me into a, a whole new relationship with my higher power. Um, so when I say, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for that, then I know that, uh, that I can move forward, and then I know that the other person is really is really uh, prepared to take this journey. Thank you so much for letting me share, everyone. Thank you, Rachel. Nessa. Nessa O, I believe. Go ahead. Hi, thought Nessa R. Uh, oh, thank you very sorry. much. Um, you know, this, this, this paragraph here is talking um, about a time that I have never known where we um, addicts would visit other addicts and on a one-on-one basis. Um, now um, I meet newcomers, uh, prospects, etc. at meetings, and it's uh, very unfortunate that um, most of the meetings that I go to, whether they're phone meetings or um, live meetings, don't even deal with the big book. Um, so even people who are returning, you know, for the second, third, fourth. Uh, fifth, sixth meeting, um, may have even may have never heard about the big book, and may have never even heard about the solution. And so, what is what is my job in these circumstances? I mean, I I um I think my job is um, to let them know the the the, the real solution without diluting it. Um, you know, people are often told, you know, get a sponsor, go to six meetings do some writing, do some reading, you know, very, very loosey-goosey. So my job here, it says, he has read this volume. Well, maybe they have never read the volume, but I can bring the volume to them in an undiluted basis. And so um, when I go to meetings, I don't just go to meetings that are good for me, strong meetings with a strong message of recovery, you know, with a, with a, with a large number of recovered people. I, I go to meetings where I can bring the message, and that's part of my uh, my 12th step because I think these times are long gone. Um, at least I've never known them where we make uh, 
we make visits to wherever these people may be, um, you know, with this book under our arm. But there's there's other ways to deliver the un- unadulterated, undiluted message of the 12 steps. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Larry Kay, go ahead, please. Amy, thanks so much for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So much practical advice, you know, we're on the second visit. And, and I found, you know, for myself, it's useful to crack open this text with that person. And I say this because, you know, if they're willing, as an ex-problem compulsive reader, you know, I can, you know, I'm in a unique position to help this person make sense of the instructions. You know, in fact, perhaps uh, I can be helpful when no one else can. And, and maybe just maybe I can I can secure their confidence when others have failed. We learned about that, and yet I'm reminded this isn't about persuasion. If that were so, only the most persuasive among us would be effective in carrying the message. And you know, willingness, of course, yes, that's that happens on the inside, and there's a strong correlation between desperation and willingness. So as long as as I don't believe that I'm powerless. And that as a consequence of that belief, my life is unmanageable, I'm never going to embark on these steps as if my life depended on it. And, you know, you know that person's going to continue to thrash around in the, uh, in the quicksand, convinced that you can save yourself. I did. But when we dare to be willing, when we have the courage to no longer be a spectator, willingness opens the door to the possibility of miracles. And... You know, it it was a fallacy for me that I merely tried to do the steps. That was just a lie that I told myself to secure kind of a fallback position when I inevitably sabotaged my recovery, which I did many times. And I thought that a commitment to try to do the steps and a commitment to do the steps was the same thing, essentially, perhaps just a minor uh, difference in semantics. But it made all the difference in the world. You know, the first commitment was born out of fear and and, and destined for failure in my case. But the second commitment to do the steps was born out of courage and trust in the process. And that, indeed, was destined for the unfolding of God's miracle in my life. You know, which, which way do I go? Which way do I go? And... You know, you know, wrapping up, lest I think that I simply delay making a decision, guess what? A delay is impossible because in every action or inaction, my choice has already been made. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Charles H., go ahead, please. Good morning, visionary. Thank you, Amy, for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary, right on the line. First of all, I want to thank all the moderators for for really, you know, moderating and keeping us in line. You know, uh, I'd like to use this part of my three minutes to say, Charles H., if anything you say after three minutes is lip service unless you're on a special edition. Thank you. Thank you, God, for waking me up. So I want to – I'm sorry. I want to drill down where it says, let him know you are available if he wishes to make a decision. Tell his story and, and to tell his story. But do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. Um, you know, I, I think this, this chapter, working with others, 
has the world record for if, especially page 95 and 96. So, you know, if is a condition, um, if I try, you know, and I've tried in the past to, to twist Sponsi's arms to do this and do that. I was sick, sicker than ever. Thank you, God, for that consciousness. And I tell you, I've taken a few people, you know, you, you talk about the second the second call, right? You know, that that's some willingness that this individual has. Um, it reminds me in the book, part of, you know, his face drops. Some some of their face drop even if they don't get to the second call, and I get it. You know, I was working with an individual, like I said in the past, for like a couple of years, and he just said, I can't do this no more. And I, and, and I, I made an outreach call to that individual, and I said, you know what, I love you, and I'm praying for you. And you know what he told me, and I had tears in my eyes. He said, you know what, Charles, I made it to a meeting last night. And, you know, and, and I said to him, I said, you know what, brother, I got the light and the, and, and the door open for you if you decide to make a decision to come back. And that's all I got. I'm grateful to God for, to, for, for, for this willingness today. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you, Charles. Melissa C., go ahead. Hi, this is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. Um, he's read this volume. I never really heard this before. Um, you know, before coming to A Vision for You, um, I always began, or it was always every time I came back in, it was um, begin as soon as, you, as soon as you are there. You know, you see the person, okay, they're there, uh, let's begin. Um, or as soon as they contact me, just begin. And, um, you know, it clearly says it right here. First you read the volume and then decide if they're ready to go on with the steps. And always having used OA-specific materials and literature before, um, this confused me when I read this. Um, I had to read it over and over again. And, you know, I even last week contacted other recovered people that I sh- heard share here because um, because this was never a part of my face-to-face meetings. Nobody ever said, you know, to a newcomer, at least none of the meetings I was at or none of the ones I heard, um, it could have been said, but I never heard it, um, read the book. You know, here's the book, read the book, and then decide. Um, and so since listening to A Vision for You, um, um, since February of 2014, you know, I have practical experience because I know that my recovery really began when I read the book, you know, what a miracle. Um, and that's my message now that I bring to people that call me and people through my face-to-face meetings. Um, read the book and then decide. Um, then if the person decides they want to begin, they're free to go to anyone else. I'm not in sales. Um, I make no commission, um, but I'm an example of the power of this book and the power of recovery. You know, I'm a walking miracle. I'm, um, you know, people that know me um, from before and now it's it's visual. They see visually there's um, a miracle at work here, but um, there's something internally that has changed. And, you know, so excited that yesterday um, someone who's, I've known from the face-to-face for years who reached out and withdrawn and reached out and withdrawn, contact me again. And having this really fresh in my mind, I said, great, read the book. 
<laughs> read the book and then let's talk. And, um, you know, I'm so grateful that it says it right here that I don't have to, um, I don't have to recreate the way to do this program. It's, it's crystal clear. Um, you know, and if, if she reads it and decides to look elsewhere, that's okay too. You know, God has a plan for all of us. And, um, just grateful to be here and hear this today. Thank you. Not that. Thank you, Melissa. I would now like to invite anyone else that would like to share on this paragraph. Vasa O. Please. Please. I got Vasa and what was it, Janice? Kim G. Oh, Kim G. Reva P. Reva P. Okay. All right, I've got Vasa O, Kim G, Reva P. Go ahead, Vasa. Vasa O, press star one to unmute. Thank you, Amy. I was talking to myself. Mm-hmm. Again, good morning, everyone. I am a grateful, um, I'm grateful to be here with all of you. And thank you, Amy, for your service. And I'm just so grateful you know, when I came to the program, I was given the big book. And I started the program with the big book. We didn't have as much literature in OA. The 12 steps came later. I mean, we had the stories in the brown book. So I combined. I mean, I, I read, you know, whatever we had on the table, some of the stuff that we had, and I had the big book. And I I was so curious, you know. I just was, you know, I wanted to know what the solution was. And I read the big book from the beginning to the end, and I could not wait to see there what was, what was in it, and especially the stories, you know, in the back of this book. And it was just so amazing. But I was just, I had the willingness. I had admitted I was powerless over the food addiction, and no one had to, to convince me, you know. And uh, I was willing and I was ready. And, and I remember my sponsor said, that, you know, the only thing you have to have is the willingness and to find a power greater than, our, than yourself. And I remember saying, I don't care. I don't care who does it for me or who helps me as long as I don't have to do it by myself. And I was willing and I was open-minded. I was open. And, then, and I'm just so grateful. And I do the same thing. I haven't done this perfectly, believe me. With sponsors, you know, I've done lots of mistakes. And I have a person that we are reading right now, and we are going to go to the next one is how it works. And I've other people, there's some are interested, some are not. But I can emotionally detach myself with love, you know. I don't have to fix them. I don't have to. At the beginning, I did. I couldn't stand to see them being in the food and being in pain and suffering like I was. But, you know, if people are not ready, they're not ready, you know. And I had hit my own bottom, so that's why I was ready and willing to do whatever it took. So it says here, let him know you are available if he wishes to make a decision and tell his story, but do not insist upon it if he prefers to consult someone else. Or do, you know, and do other literature, you know, in OA, we have other stuff, you know, and um, and that's okay, you know, I just let them be what they want to do, do what they want to do, but I can share my experience, 
strength and hope that I have received over the years. And I love the big book, and I love going back and forth. Like last night, we had a meeting, you know, and we were reading from the big book, finishing up, I think it was Bill's story. But anyways, um, I'm so grateful to be here with all of you and, and to just be doing what I'm doing. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Go ahead, Kim G. Thanks, Amy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Having had the experience yourself, you can give him much practical advice. And what is that practical advice about? It's about the 12 steps. You know, for, for many years in OA, the practical advice was I would act like a life coach. I would tell you about how to handle your marriages and your children and all those different things. Because, you know, we often hear, I need someone I can relate to. I need a sponsor who has young children because I had young children. I need a sponsor that's, that's retired because I'm retired. But what they're letting us know here is you need someone who's had the experience that you need. And what's that experience? Having gone through the 12 steps and had a spiritual awakening. And what can I offer? The practical advice about the, the 12 steps. That's it. I, have, I can't manage my own life. What makes me think I can give you practical advice to manage your life? You know, I'm always reminded of when I was at work a couple of years ago, and I picked up the phone, and um, there was a girl calling me from Israel. Now, I am a woman in my late, late 40s. I've never been married. I've never had children. This was a young woman, you know, halfway across the globe, young, in her 20s, had many young children, and she was very upset about something. And I said, whoa, let's do a 10-step. And within 10 minutes, we walked through a 10-step, and she got relief. She didn't get relief because I could relate to her. I couldn't. How could I talk to her about what happened with her two-year-old? I, don't, I never had a child. But by giving the practical advice of walking her through a 10th step, she was able to have her own experience and be able to reconnect with her higher power. So I have to make sure that's what I'm offering. And this reminds me back to page 18 and the squiggly writing on the third paragraph. But the ex-problem drinker who has found a solution and who is properly armed with facts about himself can generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. So what does it mean to be properly armed with the facts? I understand the problem. I understand what a compulsive overeater is. I understand the solution, which is a spiritual experience. And I understand the plan of action because I've walked through it. This practical experience is the 12 steps. So if you're not, if you, you know, if you're on this line thinking about why I think I want to commit to this program, ask yourself when you're talking to someone. Don't worry if you can relate into their life experience. Ask them if they've gone through accidentally, gone through all 12 steps, and they've had a spiritual awakening, because that is the spiritual experience that you need. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Reva P, go ahead, please. Good morning. This is Reva P., a recovering compulsive overeater now in Montreal. Um, what I related to, and I'm tagging a little bit onto what was just said, um, first of all, I noticed that it says, he says he is prepared, but at this point, he has still not made a decision because we don't know if he wishes to make a decision. And that reminds me that there is step one, where I'm, I say I'm prepared if I've read the book um, and, and have done what it says. But it takes a while to get to step three, where I really make the decision to turn my 
behavior, my life, my food, and everything over to my higher power. Um, and they're not the same thing. Um, and maybe that's why there are so many pages devoted to step one before we get to step three. Um, so that was a good reminder for me. And the other part, um, as has been so lovely um, already shared, about having had the experience. This reminds me, this is not an intellectual program. This is not like reading a textbook where I memorize facts, take a test, and I'm done. This is a program based on personal experience. And you know we need to identify in, which is what I did when I came in. It also reminds me that this is about you know, one compulsive overeater sharing their experience, strength, and hope with another. It's not about um, what I did before I found program, which is going to doctors and clinics, where these people were the, the authorities. And I just felt like a crazy person. I just felt like a freak because I was doing this stuff and they were the professional who didn't really get it from personal experience. So the fact that I am able to have other people share their experience, strength, and hope for me decreases that feeling of feeling like a freak or feeling ashamed or feeling like I'm the only one who thinks and behaves this way. Um, and the other part of someone sharing their experience is about somebody having had the physical, emotional, spiritual experience so that when they share with me, as so many people did yesterday when I was really in a lot of fear, um, I get that sense of ease and peace so I can move on, open my channel with my higher power, and deal with life on life's terms, um, which is so awesome and so not the way I thought it was uh, before I... Um, before I started this program. That's all I have to share, and I pass. Thank you, Reva. Hi, my name's Amy. I am a compulsive overeater recovered from Maryland. I'd like to jump in here as well. I'd like to focus on the make a decision. As we read yesterday in the prior paragraph, you know, we're, we're looking for someone who's desperate, who's eager, and someone who's willing to make a decision to do the action steps that are necessary to work through these steps. And if I can look back at my own experience, that decision was an incredible turning point for me. I spent almost five years in Overeaters Anonymous meetings, rarely ever hearing anything, well, nothing at all about the twofold nature of the disease, and not hearing, you know, not being willing to do what it was necessary to work these steps. And at some point, you know, we, I admitted step one that I was powerless, but at some point we all have to choose. And that choice is to make the decision. Am I going to decide to work this program like my life depends upon it? Or am I not? You know, it says in how it works here. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. I spent almost five years trying to hold on to my old ideas and treat this program buffet style as so many others have said. But at some point, I had to make a decision to let go absolutely, because if I didn't let go absolutely, this program was not going to work for me, because I lacked power. Lack of power. That was my dilemma in this, with this disease. I could not stop myself from putting the food in my mouth. So I had to make a decision. I had to choose to surrender. I had to choose to surrender to this program and be willing to work this program like my life depended upon it. I was desperate. I was eager, and then I made that decision. And all I can do based on my own experience, as other people have talked about, is look for that in others when I sponsor 
and be available. I mean, here we are. We've been focusing all in on trying to be the good sponsor, listening to the instructions. And I just want to say to the newcomer out there, we are here. We are available, and we want to help. We have a solution here that absolutely positively works, and it's a common one. There's no secret code. There's no combination. Talks about that on page 17. We have a solution upon which we can absolutely agree. I don't have to be the perfect sponsor, and you don't have to be the perfect sponsee. But if you make that decision, we are available for you, and we will do everything in our power. I have to do it because in order to stay sober and abstinent myself, I need to carry that message to you. So I want to be available. Please ask. And if you're not sure if you are a compulsive overreader, let's talk about it. But we are available. But at some point, a decision has to be made. And that is something I can't do for the sponsee, and I can't do it. It has to come, and that's something that I had to do for myself. I had to choose to do that. I had to choose to surrender and let go absolutely because I had no power against this disease. And with that, I'll pass. Okay, I'd like to move on to the next paragraph, please. So I'd like to ask Judy F. to please read the next paragraph. Go ahead, Judy. Good morning, Amy. Can I be heard? Yes, Judy, loud and clear. Thank you. Thank you. He may be broke and homeless. If he is, you might try to help him about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance but you should not deprive your family or creditors of money they should have. Perhaps you will want to take the man into your home for a few days, but be sure you use discretion. Be certain he will be welcomed by your family, that he is not trying to impose upon you for money, connections, or shelter. Permit that and you only harm him. You will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be added, aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. And good morning, visionaries. This is Judy F. Recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts, currently in Ocean City, New Jersey. And I'm just going to set my timer here. Um, a couple of things I related to in this paragraph. Um, this month it will be um, my 24th year uh, anniversary date of abstinence and recovery which i'm just so grateful to god it's because of god's grace mercy and these 12 steps and the fellowship um and i think of myself 24 years ago at the beginning of this month i i was broken homeless i i had lost everything and if someone had come in my parents had just had enough with me and uh, my boyfriend and and if, if someone had tried to rescue me, I might not have reached the level of desperation that I did that enabled me to be willing to take the first step and to um, get help and, and to start working this program. And I think of that when I, when I sponsor, and, you know, it's been many years of sponsoring and many, many people have gone, have not recovered. Um, and thank you, God, there have been some. And uh, But thank you, God, I am recovered still after 24 years. And this paragraph to me is about enabling, not enabling. Um, it's also, I need to keep working my program. You know, we've learned on, um, right before the third step prayer on page 60, um, actually 62, uh, 
first of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. And then uh, God is going to be our director. He is the principal. And I have to remember that the, the sponsee has a God in their life, and I'm not it. And I have to work my 1011 so that I don't try to get in there and start playing God, because that is my default. My default is self-centered fear and also trying to control. And, um, and that's so important that I keep working my program, looking at my, my side of the street, and know that I am a conduit for God's love, power, and grace. Um, and I'm not there to harm him. And by enabling, I can harm him. And I, even last year, I found myself overly passionate with this one sponsee. She reminded a lot of me when I first came in, and, and I took her to a big book conference, and I was telling her, well, you know, listen to this and read this. And, and I, I got, and, and we went through, now looking back, because she has come back to me after a year of going back out, that we went too fast through the first three steps. Um, and she she found that. I didn't figure that out. So I need to keep, when it says, um, you, but be sure to use discretion, I need God for that. I can't figure this out myself, um, and only God can. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy F. I would now like to invite others who would like to comment on the paragraph that was just read by Judy. Becca W. Matt M. I got Matt M. Who is before Matt, please? Becca W. Nessa? Becca W. Oh, Becca. There you go. Now I can hear you. Okay, so Becca W., Matt M., anybody else? Chelsea H. Chelsea H. Okay. We're going to go with Becca W., Matt M., and Chelsea H. Go ahead, Becca. Thanks so much for your service, Amy. This is Becca W., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater in Maryland. And for me, this is um, a broader message or even warning um, about relationships with boundaries. And um, I have to remember that I'm a sick person and that um, even though I may have gone through the 12 steps and even though I may have had my spiritual awakening, if I don't keep an open, open channel to God, um, Becca's self-will will start coming in and start directing everything. And we know... Um, you know, we know that on page 13 it said common sense thus becomes uncommon sense. And to me what that means is, you know, my thinking, even though I thought it was um, totally valid and, and legitimate and, and right and good, um, wasn't. And it took the 12 steps and it took aligning with God to understand that my thinking was completely twisted. So if I take over again when I'm in, let's say, a sponsee, sponsor relationship, and I start um, enmeshing myself into their world, and I don't keep clear lines and clear boundaries, and I don't invite God in at all times to make sure that he's directing my thinking and uh, maybe assignments that I give or the pace at which we go, um, then I'm causing uh, possible destruction. And in the broader sense of relationships, you know, in, once we get through um, – seven, in my opinion, we are recovered because we have looked at our character defects. We looked at the actions of our character defects in four. We talked about them in five. We cleared them out in five. In six and seven, we looked at them specifically. We identified what they were. We asked God, 
to quiet them and we asked him to highlight our assets. So now we've been rearranged and we're a different person. So going into eight and nine, it's about relationships, right? You know, we make that list that comes off of our step four inventory. It's already made for us. Um, and in step nine, we, we have an opportunity to repair relationships or make new ones um, or simply let some go. And, and that takes um, definitely God being with us. Um, and again, if Becca's self-will comes into that, I'm going to destroy those relationships and I'm not going to have a chance with people. And this is all about helping people, whether it's people in the program or people in our lives. So that broader message of the relationships, I have to make sure that I am, when I get reorganized, that I stay reorganized and I stay aligned with God. Uh, So with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you, Becca. Matt M., go ahead, please. Yes, hi. Thank you for your service, Amy. Good morning, fellow visionaries. This is Matt M., Recovered Compulsive Lover Ear and Sponsor. Yeah, I wasn't going to share today, but then something came across me that compelled me to say something about this paragraph. Um, it goes to the heart of the matter for how I sponsor and how I used to want to be sponsored by people. I want another help with outside issues that have no business in my program and for me, for a sponsor to help me. Sponsors, uh, OA sponsors not have experience with debting or codependency or other things like that. Their job is to take me through the book and then get me recovered. When I was a sponsor when I first came in the room seven years ago, I didn't know that. I wasn't connected with the higher power of my understanding. It was the match show. I thought I was the one who was going to get that person through those steps. I, 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 all ego, ego-driven, ego-driven thinking, ego-driven actions. And no wonder there was not one sponsor I had kept who was even close to getting anything close to being recovered because I was just putting myself into it wholeheartedly, not allowing my higher power to come into my life, my heart, mind, body, and soul, and direct me. I don't have experience. I do have codependency issues. I do have debting issues. But you know what? Those are outside issues. Those are issues that are more, are more um, I am helpful with with person using outside professional help or going to another fellowship for that. For me, I realized that my experience strength, though, has to do with being a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, just like those first 100 men and women. And my experience is about the, to share my experience and strength and hope in a healthy way to help them identify in. But I can't make them, I can't convince them that they're a compulsive overeater or they belong in this fellowship. If I do that, it says it right there, I can be causing them more harm than good and a future opportunity can be ruined. Also, it's not my job to help solve their debts, to give them money, or um, to take them in under my wing if they're homeless. That's not my job. My job is to help them get through that book so they can go out and get recovered and go out and help countless others save their lives by working them through the book. And it took me so many years to figure that out. Five years of relapse, I had to go out and do some more research and development, you know how it goes. And um, for me to actually be beaten down into the state of reason almost and realizing that I, my ego was the biggest thing that was preventing me from being a maximum service to others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Matt. Chelsea H., go ahead, please. Thank you. Thanks for your service, Amy. This is Chelsea H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater for today. And I just want to speak to the, um, he may be broke and homeless. And um, if he is, you might try to help about getting a job or give him a little financial assistance. It's not in the giving, but knowing how and when and how much to give. Um, For me, this um, had to do with helping somebody put the food down. 
because they wanted to walk through the process. They said they were prepared to go through, but they were still face down in the food. And I have gone to people's homes, actually, and have helped them work through some of their um, issues of identifying their binge foods and stuff, and they still haven't walked through the process. So I had to have enough humility to say all I can do is what, excuse me, all I can do is what I'm supposed to do as far as taking them through the 12 steps of the program of recovery. And that if that involved helping them one time to try to go through, then I can do that without Chelsea showing up. But once I start overly trying to get these people to do certain things and as if they're own as if I own them because I don't owe these people and I should not be emotionally invested in their recovery. I have to know when I am enabling people and aiding in their destruction rather than their recovery because Chelsea wants to be superwoman, swoop in there and save the day. And it's interesting because once I left these folks alone, some of these people have actually recovered that I have gone to their homes and helped them with their food, but I wasn't able to get them to walk through the process because I didn't have any kind of power like that. I only had this book. I had the volume. And they had read through it. They said they did. They wanted to get out of the food and they couldn't. I didn't have any power to do that. So I'm just here to be passionate about their recovery but not invested in it and then know when I am enabling them to be dishonest because this is a program of rigorous honesty. And if I allow the door to open for insincerity, I may walk through that myself. And I put my own uh, program in jeopardy. So it's real important for me to know that I only have the 12 steps of the program of recovery and that other than that, it's up to their power greater than themselves and my divine director to, to use me as a channel to bring them to their own experience with this material. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Chelsea. We have time for probably about two shares. Sally. Like Sally A. Nicole. All right. So I've got Sally A. And was it Nicole? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Sally A. Thank you, Amy. Good morning. Good morning, Editions. For you, it's Sally A. South Jersey Recovered Compulsive Overeater. I'm just going to speak to this last sentence, and I'm pretty much piggybacking on what others have said, especially Chelsea, uh, where it says, permit that and you only harm him, you will be making it possible for him to be insincere. You may be aiding in his destruction rather than his recovery. And, of course, we all want to be helpful. That's why, you know, why we would put ourselves out there and, and use our most precious commodity, our time, and share it so freely as we do as recovered people who are here to be helpful. But really what's interesting about this sentence, you may, you may be making it possible for him to be insincere. And so it's very possible that the person who comes to us um, has ulterior motives. They see our heart's desire is to be helpful and to, be, to, to move in, you know, like a, like, a, um, like a team, you know, a SWAT team that's coming in to help them to grow and to change. And, of course, they want to embrace that help. It's, a, it's an awesome gift of our time and our energy that we're offering. And what they're telling us here is to, you know, to be wise. And ultimately, that's what it boils down to is that we do need to be prayerful about what we're doing and what we're giving. 
in the beginning, in the first few years of very few, the first two years of my recovery and my um, pouring out my time and my energy into other people, I didn't really do a lot of praying about should I, should I, should I, and ask God and ask God and ask God, which over and over this book, this big book uses words like ask him in your daily meditation, ask him. I didn't do a lot of asking. I just assumed, aren't I supposed to pour myself out and give freely of what I have been so generously been given? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? But truth be told, it really is God's work that we are doing. It's, it's a mission that we are on of God. And so we do need to ask God. And we, we also want to be sensitive to asking and, and being open to the possibility that, you know, we just are not supposed to be giving to certain, not that we don't want to give, but because some people really aren't ready. That's what we're seeing over and over on these pages, that if the prospect is not ready, we could be doing more harm than good because what's in our heart? What is our motivation? Are we pushing them to be ready? Are we pushing them to go forward when maybe that's just that it's just not that timing that all they're supposed to be doing is hearing about what is possible becoming recovered wow just the word becoming recovered uh it's just an awesome an awesome opportunity that they have to become recovered and we have to do our small part and not push anyone but allow it to unfold really it's like a rose you can't Pull it open. You have to let it open in God's time. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass it. Thank you, Sally A. Nicole, you got a couple minutes here. Hi, this is Nicole S. I'm a recovered um, compulsive overeater. And um, I just wanted to focus on um, where it says, but be sure you use discretion. And um, that's such a reminder for me that I have to take each situation and, and use discretion. And um, also that that discretion um, comes from from seeking God and asking for His His help and wisdom, and not and not my own. And each also that each situation is different. So um, I can't have a you know a formula that just A plus B equals C with everybody um, because everybody is in a different situation. And um, I, I just tend to uh, want to have, you know, a, a, you know, a certain formula that's just going to work with um, with everybody the same way. And as people, we're just not we're not all the same. God didn't make us all the same. And um, and if I, you know, treat the one sponsor the same as as another one. You know, at, at, at the end it says, you know, I may be aiding in their destruction rather than their recovery. And so this is such a good reminder for me that um, I really have to, um, I really need wisdom and I really need discretion in each situation and that I just really have to be in um, prayerful seeking of God and treating each um, each sponsor, each individual um differently and their situation differently and really look at that discretion and really see what, um, you know, seek God's direction in this. Um, So with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Great, Nicole. Thank you very much. And at this point, I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. 
I'd like to thank all of our readers, Ellen B, Diane G, Hoodie R, Judy F, and Chelsea H being up on deck and ready to go. If we could, Chelsea, if you could read The Vision for You on the big book, page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditations what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.